0: Hey, it's so good to be able to sing those truths together. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. You're going to find Colossians chapter 1 toward the uh, end of your Bible as you start to get into those letters of Paul. Hopefully your Bible opens automatically to Galatians and then you just have to go to the right a little bit because we spent enough time in Galatians that it should be well worn in that area. of Your phone should remember how to get there. Once you get to Galatians, just jump ahead a little bit and you'll be in the book of Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 looking at some verses this morning. Like I said before, if you'd like to access some sermon notes and you're here in the room, you can use that QR code in front of you or you can go online and we can see those sermon notes. Uh, The sermon series that we are in right now is a sermon series about the gift of limits that God gives in our lives. So what we're doing is is we're building on sermon series from 2020, looking at God's character, who God is and what he does in the world, who is this God we serve and what's the impact of that on our lives. We're also thinking about the power of the gospel. We went through the book of Galatians, just section out of time, thinking about what is the good news of Jesus? Where is our hope found? What does that look like in our lives? And so taking that, we're talking now about these gifts of limits that God gives us so that we can know him And in a very strange way, limits in our lives actually bring freedom to live fully for God because guess what? We don't have to be God. If we allow Him to be God, He gives us these limits so that we can worship Him and so we can live for Him in the world. And so last week, we talked about limited government. Today, we're talking about limited knowledge. Now, Before I jump into this and we look at Scripture, and we're going to get to Colossians here in just a few minutes, we're going to kind of work a foundation leading up to that. This is something that I've been planning for weeks and weeks, even months and months. And so uh, last week, purposeful, limited government leading up to the election. This—if you read too much into limited knowledge, and then you try to read against things that happened this past week in the news—you're probably overreading what I intended. Um, this is something that's been intended for a while in terms of God. What do you have for our church? How do we understand this? And so, does limited knowledge pertain to what happened this last week in the world we live in? Sure, it does. If you draw too many connections, you've probably overdone what, what I intended to communicate. So I pray that God's word would be a gift to you this morning. It would help us to understand how he wants to work in our lives and in the world, and, and then how do we live as God's people in this world, but, but also know that th- we've been working on this for several weeks, and so I didn't just pick up in the middle of the week and say, hey, we need to do this. Um, so I just want to lay that caveat out there because sometimes you're like, what was he intending? I'm intending us for, to hear God's word and then respond to it. That's, that's my intent this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 9, and we're going to pick up 9 through 14 as our key text that we'll get back around to in just a few minutes. Colossians 1, verse 9. And so, from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you, Paul says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. May God bless the reading of his word. You don't need me to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We live in a world that is absolutely overwhelmed with information. We live lives where information is coming at us constantly. There are over 5 billion cell phone users in the world today. 400, let's make it get to this number right. Four million Google searches are done every minute in the world. 300 billion emails are sent every day in the world. Now, depending on your job, you may receive half those, uh, but, but 300 billion emails are sent every day in the world. It would take, at current download speeds, it would take over a billion years to download all the data from the internet onto your computer. Now granted, you couldn't do that, but just in terms of how much information exists in the world and how long it would take to take all that information in. Our brains can process 120 bits of information per second. When someone is speaking to you, it takes 60 bits of information to process a person speaking to you, which means if two people are speaking to you at the same time, your brain is literally overwhelmed with information. (laughs) So you think about what it looks like to have people speaking at, and and you've never done this, you know, you're watching TV, you simultaneously either have your phone or your iPad or your laptop open and someone is speaking to you at the same time. There's literally no way that you can process all that information. And I have no idea how moms process information when mom, 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 mom and like the kids just going on and on. There's no way you can process that type of information. We cannot take in the amount of information that we are exposed to on a daily basis. So here's what happens. Here's what happens when that, happen, when that situation occurs. Number one is our brains have trouble distinguishing the trivial from the important. When you are overwhelmed with information, when you have all this knowledge coming at you and all these people speaking at you, it's hard to distinguish what's trivial from what's really important. The other thing that happens is that your brain becomes tired. All this information coming at us, constantly, constantly, constantly coming at us, the brain becomes fatigued. And when that fatigue happens, the result of that is often anxiety and confusion. Think about the world we live in. Think about all the information that that comes at us. And think about the type of world we live in where it's hard to tell what's trivial from what's important. People are tired, people are anxious and confused and we have all this information coming at us, and here is the irony. We also become addicted to that very information that overwhelms us. All the studies are out there to show us that when you talk about your cell phone, or you talk about TV, in a strange way that goes beyond what we can understand, our brains literally become addicted to that information, where if we don't constantly have information coming at us, we feel bored or we feel confused or we can even feel shaky, like we always need to hear something, we also need, always need to see something, we always need to have our cell phone in our hands. It's because of this overload of information, and it leads to tiredness, it leads to anxiety, and it leads to confusion. And here's what I also know about you. You didn't come this morning, and, and you didn't tune in this morning to hear a lecture on technology, because that's not what I'm here to give you. But here's what I am wanting to say to you. When you are overloaded with information, it also affects your intimacy with God. That overload of information, that knowledge constantly coming at us, it affects our soul, and it affects the way we relate to people around us. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we are going to talk, we're going to lay a foundation to understand knowledge within Scripture. How do we understand God and knowledge? And then we're going to talk about three things that God desires for us to know that will help us to live in this world. So we're going to lay a foundation about God and knowledge. How do we understand this biblically from a biblical theology standpoint? And then we want to say, what are the three things God has given us to know? So let's begin this way. Let's begin this way. First, God has unlimited knowledge. The first point that I want you to get, the first foundation today, is the unlimited knowledge of God. God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. 1 John chapter three, verse 20. Some of the people that you work with may think they know everything. God literally, by His word, knows everything. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Psalm 147 says, "Do you know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge? In a universe that likely has billions of galaxies, the Milky Way contains well over 100 billion stars. And you know what we' were saying about earlier? God knows every one of them. In fact, God knows the name of every one of those stars. The Milky Way galaxy itself is 100,000 light years wide and a light year is 5.8 trillion miles. So I will let you, on that phone you shouldn't be checking already, but on that phone, you can multiply 5.8 trillion times 100,000 and you get an idea of the scope of the Milky Way galaxy. So if you take our solar system In the context of the galaxy, it's like laying a quarter down in the United States of America. So you think of how big our country is, and you put a quarter down, that's our solar system within the context of the galaxy, of which there are likely billions of different galaxies. God's knowledge is overwhelming. Your body has over 37 trillion cells and in each of those cells is a DNA code that is three billion characters long. And you know what Psalm 139 says? That God knows you're lying down and you're getting up. God knows all of your thoughts. God knows your words before you say them. God knows every day that is written for you. God's knowledge is unlimited. And for some people, that drives them away from God. For some people, that drives them to God. God because they realize God you have knowledge and you have understanding and you have power that goes beyond anything I could ever imagine. His understanding, his knowledge is unlimited, which leads us to the second point that you could already pick out. (laughs) Our knowledge is limited. Job 38, when God is responding to Job with this series of questions that, if you haven't read in a while, go back and pick up Job 38 and 39 and just read those series of questions that God puts before Job. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. When you think about the Bible... And you think about this idea of limited knowledge, where it really begins is in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, there's this famous story of as God is developing creation, as he's putting Adam and Eve in creation, he puts them there, and there are two distinct trees. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they are told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that their knowledge is ultimately limited as people. But you read ahead to chapter three, and what happens? Satan comes and tempts them and says, Oh, come on now. Did God really say not to eat of that tree? You're not actually going to die. What's Satan saying? God's holding out on you. You can have the knowledge that God has. And the temptation there is that they begin to take for themselves what is only God's to give. It's a sign of independence. It's a sign of pride, it's a sign of not truly trusting God. And this search for knowledge that was not theirs to have ultimately leads to sin, which leads to death. Look at this verse from Romans chapter one. In a strange sort of way, as as we rebel against these limits that God has established, our sin actually impacts our understanding of the world. Romans one, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppressed the truth. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Our sin against God actually impacts our ability to know the world that he's created and how to live in this world. Let me give you an illustration of this that you've probably seen before. Somebody you love and care for begins to live in sin and rebellion against God And before you know it, they make a series of just especially unwise choices. Somebody lives in sin, they're living in rebellion against God, and they begin to make what just amounts to living in this world just some really dumb choices in a row. Why is that? It's because sin twists our understanding of what it means to live in God's world, that we suppress what is true, that we become twisted in our understanding of how to live. And so what do we need in that situation? We need salvation. But does salvation come through gaining more knowledge? Does salvation come like if I just knew more and learned more, then I would be able to be saved? It doesn't work like that, does it? Salvation ultimately comes through knowing Jesus. Look at this verse that's in front of you here. We know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Here's the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus. That it is not your amount of knowledge that makes you right with God. There are people who are turned off to the way of God, who are turned off to the gospel, turned off to church because they think, you know what, those people there, they're really smart. They know all the answers. I feel dumb when I show up. I can just never know the things of God. And yet, to know God is to receive his love. To know God is to trust him. Now, is there a certain information we need to know about the good news of Jesus? Yeah, but it's, it's not a test you take. Um, we had a lady come one time to our new member class, which we hope to restart really soon here at Emmaus as more people are, are coming and asking about being a part of the church. And, but she came to the new member class one time, and she said, Owen, I, I just can't go through with membership. And I was thinking, ah, maybe it was something I said, you know, maybe I, I, I don't know what I do. I, and she said, I'm terrible at taking tests. I was like, you're terrible at taking tests? She said, yeah, there's no way I'll, I'll pass the new member test. I was like, oh, no, no, no. When we say new member class, we just mean we're giving you information about what it means to be a part of the church. Like, you're not gonna get a Scantron that, that you have to fill out correctly, get all the bubbles correct in order to be a member of the, of the church. But, but in her mind, it was about gaining a certain amount of information. How many people have you known who they go through life with all of this head knowledge about religion and church and things of the Lord, and yet later in life they realize it was all up here and it was never here. And later in life they come to trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord because they'll say, I knew, I knew all the data, I knew all the information about Jesus up here, but it never took root in my heart. He was never one that I knew personally that I experienced his salvation. Look at the foundations that we have, and then we're going to turn to Colossians 1. The foundations are God's knowledge is unlimited. Don't turn away from that. Lean into that. God's knowledge is unlimited. Our knowledge is ultimately limited, especially so by our sin, but salvation comes through faith in Jesus, not the amount or secrecy of our knowledge. The goal of life is to know God and to make him known to others. What have you been created for? What is your purpose in life? It is to know God, his love and his goodness and his salvation, and then to make that known to others. The question is, how do you do that? That's where Colossians 1 becomes our friend. Let me show you three types of knowledge in Colossians 1 that I hope will be a gift to you as you live in a world where you're just constantly overloaded with information. Colossians 1, verse 9. Three types of knowledge in these verses. And so, from the day we heard heard about your salvation, Paul says, we have not ceased to pray for you. What does Paul pray for them over and over and over again? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Knowledge number one is to know God's will. Now, let me be clear here. This is a question that I probably get more than almost any other question when you talk about pastoral ministry. People say, oh, and I'm trying to understand God's will for my life. And generally, when we ask that question, it means I'm coming up on retirement, and I'm trying to figure out what to do next to honor the Lord. I, w- I want to know God's will for my life. I'm dating someone, and I want to know if it's God's will that I marry this person. I'm trying to figure out where to work or where to go to school, where to go to college. Is it God's will to do these things? Those are all good questions, so, so I'm not demeaning those questions, but here's the deal. When you look at the New Testament and you study the instances of God's will in the New Testament, almost none of them reference those type of life decision making situations you know what they reference holy living trust in god our character our behavior what is god's will for your life is that you would live fully for him that you would know him and make him known it's the fact that you would trust him it's the fact that your thinking would be transformed that you would know how to live fully for him so before you can make decisions about who do i marry what i do in retirement where do i live The foundation for making those decisions is that my heart is fully committed to the Lord, that I'm living a life of holiness, dedicated fully to Him. Because when you have that foundation, when you know His will, you will have the spiritual wisdom and understanding to make all those other life decisions that you need to make. One of my favorite verses about this is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So point number one this morning is knowing God's will. Now we have to ask the question, what could get in the way of that? What could get in the way of receiving the wisdom of God into my life? And here's what I want to be very clear about. When you live in a world where you are overloaded by information, the way to know God's will to hear him speaking into your life is we have to be able to take a step back from that information and receive God's wisdom for our lives. (laughs) There's an acronym called FOMO. Uh, If you don't know FOMO, FOMO is fear of missing out. FOMO is what makes you continue to scroll through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or you keep searching, or you want to know everybody else's business. This is the idea that I'm so afraid that I'm going to miss out on something. And let's just be crystal clear, this is how information businesses stay in business, is because they create within us this feeling, if I don't check this, if I don't check the social media app, if I don't check the news, if I don't check, then I'm going to miss out. Guess what? Sometimes there's a joy in missing out. (laughs) Sometimes we don't need to know all information. We get in this situation where it just constantly comes at us. Where do we find the wisdom to know God's will? When we take a step back, we hear his word, we spend time with his people, and we live experientially in his world. How do you know God's will for your life? How do you have the wisdom to do what God has called you to do in this crazy world? I need his word in me. I need to spend time with his people. And I need to put the information aside. And I just need to get out and spend time with the birds and the ants and the flowers and the dirt. When I do that, God creates within us a wisdom that we are able to know and do his will. His word his people, his world. What captures your mind will control your heart. What captures your mind, what captures your attention and your focus, what we give our minds to, will also control our heart, the things we think about and the things we do. Look at the next couple of verses here in Colossians chapter one. You pick it up there at the end of verse 10. What happens when you know God's will? Then we increase in the knowledge of God, that we may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Number one, we know God's will. And as we live in God's world, guess what? We come to know God's character. We increase in our knowledge of God. I hope this is your desire, friends. I hope that you go every day saying, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more so I can make you known. I want to increase in my knowledge of you. We have to guard our hearts against apathy toward the things of God. Because when you grow apathetic toward knowing God more, guess what, you're not gonna want to live for him. But the more I live for him, the more I want to know him. It creates this cycle that builds on himself. God, I want to know you. I wanna act on that faith, and when I act on that faith, I see you at work, and that drives me to know you more. One of the greatest gifts of being a part of a church, especially a multi-generational church, is to be able to look at people who are in an older generation and their desire to know God and to know his word hasn't cooled a bit. In fact, the closer they get to heaven, the more they want to know the God that they love and worship. And can I tell you how good that is for my kids to see and how good that is for me to see that we don't reach an end to knowing the unlimited knowledge of God. We want to know him more because what does that create in us? Endurance and patience with joy. Can I give you three things you probably need in your life? Endurance, patience, and joy. <laughs> what do we need in the world? Endurance, patience, and joy. One commentator said these components up here, endurance is how I put up with hard circumstances. Patient joy is how I put up with hard people. Guess what you're going to have to do in your life? You're going to have to put up with hard circumstances and hard people. God, what do I need? I need endurance to keep going, and I need patient joy to love those people that just require a little bit of extra grace. How do I get there? I increase in my knowledge of God. How do I know God? His word, His people, His world. Last thing, let's look in verses 12 through 14. What do we want to do as we know God? We give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. What do we see in those verses? We see that we are able to know God's plans. Now, I really like the way Paul puts this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Uh, when Jared and I were talking about the sermon recently, he had mentioned these verses, and I think this says clearly what I would like to say to you right now. Ephesians chapter 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, Paul says, remembering, in your my, remembering you in my prayers, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, listen to what it says here, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what? What is the hope to which He has called you? What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? What does God want us to know? He wants us to know his will, he wants us to know his character, and he wants us to know his plans. God is not holding out on us. God is not holding out on his people. His plans that he has prepared for us are good and beautiful and powerful and eternal, but we have to come to trust those things. Let's think about this. What does it mean to know God's plans? Here's the danger that we face. In scripture, those verses we just looked at, we know that God's plans for our future are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future and a hope. We know that his plans are good for his people, but let's be honest. In the Bible, God doesn't give us every little detail of what those future plans are going to look like. He gives us a framework But he doesn't give us all the details of what that future is going to look like and how exactly it's going to pan out. We get a lot. I'm not downplaying what we get in Scripture about the future. I'm just making the point that we don't have all the details and all the knowledge. What happens when people don't have all the knowledge or all the details about something? You know what they do? They begin to fill in the gaps themselves. (laughs) And they begin to create other narratives and and other ideas about what's going on in the world. And, And, man, we live in this type of world where it feels like knowledge is lacking or or things are not matching up, people are more than happy to jump in and start to fill in that knowledge with their own ideas. And, And just frankly, this is how you end up in a world of conspiracy theories and disinformation. I'm not saying that's true about God's word. I'm just making a point about the world we live in. When knowledge is missing, people are glad to fill in the blanks themselves. Here's what happens. When you think about God's plans for the world and God's plans for his people, we need to be careful with not filling in information that God hasn't given us. We have good and pure knowledge about what God has laid out for his people, but we don't have all the details because God calls us to trust him. He calls us to be hopeful and faithful and continue to seek after what he has established in front of us. We have to trust him in that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, let us be grateful For receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. We as a church have a framework and a promise that God's plans are good for his people. Use that. Use that framework in the Bible to filter the information you get through your phone, you get through the TV, you get through your friends, we have this broader framework to make sense of all this other information that comes at us in the world. God, I want to know your will. I want to know your character. And I want to know your plans for what purpose so I can make you known to others. What is our calling? Our calling as God's people is to know him and as we know him, to make him known to others. How do you do that? How can, in this world that we live in, how can we make God known to other people? Well, one really simple way is that we just interact differently with information than those without God's salvation and hope. As God's people, those who realize his knowledge is unlimited, our knowledge is limited, we need to trust in him. If you know God in that way, the way that we interact with information and technology should frankly be different than those around us. Because I'm not looking to that information to show me everything I need for wisdom and how to live in the world. I'm sure not looking to that information to give me hope and future. I'm looking to the Lord. And so, as Christians, we say, God, I want wisdom, so I'm going to back away from that a little bit. I can stop scrolling, I can stop searching. I don't need to gossip and share every little piece of information and thank God I don't have to be an expert about everything. (laughs) I can just humbly step back and say, God, I trust you. I know that you are good and your plans are perfect and I'm going to trust you. That's going to be my framework for these things. And in the process, we display wisdom, humility, joy, and peace to the world. If you want to stand out in the world today, humility, wisdom, joy, and peace, and as we do that, we have a chance to share the good news of Jesus, to let people know what you need in this world is not more information. What you need in this world is a God who loves you and who gave his son to pay for your sins and to destroy the penalty of death so that we would have life now and life eternal, and that is good news. It is good news in a world where people feel chaotic and they feel destabilized, and they feel confused, and they feel anxious. That good news is everything that we have to hold on to. And so my encouragement for you this week is to say, I'm not going to allow the information in the world to destabilize me and drive me to chaos. Instead, this week, my goal is to know God and to make him known, to know his will to know his character, to know his plans, and then God, help me through the way I live and the way I speak to make that known to others. Let me pray for you that that would be true in your life and true in our church, and then we're gonna be dismissed. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning, God, I pray this morning that we would be a people of humility, a people of wisdom, a people of hope, God, just talking to friends this last week, friends who trust deeply in you, but, but who talked about, as we watch TV and we look at our phones and we think about the information in the world, how, how quickly we become anxious and confused and uncertain. And God, all of those issues are important. They, they bear on our lives today, and so we don't make light of those issues, but, but God, it's so easy to become distracted from you because of all the information that comes at us. God, it affects our soul, it affects our intimacy with you and other people. And so God, this morning, we acknowledge that having limited knowledge is a good gift from you. That there are some things that we simply do not know. But we are able to know your will, we're able to know your character, and we're able to know your plans for eternity and plans for salvation. And God, let us hold on to those things. God, remind us that what captures our mind will control our heart. And God, we want our minds to be set on you and we want our hearts to be dedicated to you and to living for you in this world. God, let that be true. Let us be a people of peace and joy and hope to those around us. And God, right now, I pray that if there's anyone here who is not trusted in Jesus for salvation. Maybe they know all the information, they've been around church for a long time, they could answer all the questions, but God, they know that they have never trusted in Jesus for salvation. God, I pray that you would do that in their hearts today. God, I pray that people who are listening at home, who maybe feel overwhelmed even right now, God, I pray that they would trust in you in a way that goes beyond anything they've ever done before. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.